Pickaxe. Hello, and welcome back to the Review of Death, your fortnightly home for Doctor Who news and reviews. I am Matthew Toffolo, and I am joined, as ever, by Billy Garrett John, who should be over here in this window, if this is all gone correctly, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, of course, if you're watching us or listening to us rather, on Audacity. Audacity? You do listen <laughs> to us on Audacity. Sorry, I, my brain is frazzled. If you're listening to us on one of those audio podcast platforms, Spotify and all that shit, then it doesn't matter what we look like. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, how are you we, doing, Billy? I'm, you I'm haven't good. even spoken yet. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm good. I think we should, we're both a bit flustered because this is all obviously very new. Um, yes. And we're trying to figure out our way around this situation. My camera looks like uh, shite compared to Matt's because my stuff hasn't arrived from the UK yet. My camera was in a big box and it's somewhere between Sydney and Auckland and a big ship. Uh, um, and may, maybe it was caught in a time scoop. Oh shit! Yeah. What are yeah. we talking about I'm gonna, I'm, today? I'm gonna just for socials. I'm just gonna take a picture of you on the telly. Perfect, beautiful. There That's, we go. That that is uh, quality audio content right there. Just just for the socials, I'm going to take a photo of you. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed listening to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. My camera doesn't even go click either. So. Oh no! It hasn't got one of those manual, old-fashioned. No. You should get one of those ones yeah. with a big flash bulb. The big uh, yeah. explodey ones. At least I have would to hear put that. a blanket over my head for, <laughs> before I take it. Um, yeah, time scoop. Nice reference. What are we talking about today? It's only one of the biggest episodes that we could possibly review in the canon of Doctor Who. Um, it's yeah. only the Five Doctors, um, which we were going to do for episode fifty, but then stuff kind of got shuffled around, and now we're finally here, episode fifty, whatever it is, because I don't know, Jinx Monsoon might be cast as the new Doctor Who between now and this episode going out. Um, I, I want to say fifty-three. Three? Yeah, yeah, I guess three. I think so. Um, uh, so yeah, here we are, and uh, it's everything is in a state of flux, folks. So if if this isn't visually appealing to you, don't worry, it will it will get there. Um, yeah. but audio listeners let us know what you think let us yeah. know what you think yeah. in the comments because I literally have just fannied around changing the view of this camera like 20 minutes before recording this so if you think it looks like wank let me know and I'll do something else with it <laughs> I was I hearing lots of swearing I was hearing lots of what was it eat a dick was that the one eat a dick yeah, 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 uh, yeah. and you saw my ass uh, looming <laughs> I've seen your ass looming many times um, so yeah, the five doctors. Um, yeah, and do you know what? I, I I wasn't going in this review with any sort of trepidation. I wasn't going into it thinking, you know, it probably isn't going to be as good as I remember or whatever. I think I have come out of my screening of the five doctors. I was in the shed, had the heater going, had a little drink with me, and I was chilling out. And I was. It was the first time I've watched Doctor Who since moving to New Zealand. And wow, so how long has that been? A month? It's More? been, no, probably maybe like two, nearly three months without Doctor Who. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I know. But to be fair, wow. we've had all the teasers and we've had all the, you know, yeah. location picks and stuff like that. So I haven't been <laughs> totally, you know, going cold turkey. Um, I do I do like this image. You said I was watching Doctor Who in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, I have this image of Stella just saying to you, right, Get out the house. I don't want to hear. She's that not. She doesn't live music. on fucking Ramsey Street. <laughs> Sorry. 
um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like yeah, go 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 away to your little to your little shed and and, and watch your Doctor Who. We, but, we've come all this way to get away from that. Stuff, so. Well, that's why it's, it lives in here. It doesn't live in the house. It's not allowed in the house. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. it was just you know, it's it is a, a comfort episode of mine. This story, and yeah. I think that's because it was one of the earliest VHSs I got, but. Like I said, yeah. I, I, I was going into this thinking, look, I'm going to really enjoy this because it's not been that long since I last watched it. It's been sort of maybe a, a year or, or two since I last saw it. And um, I came out of it going, I think this is one of my favourite Doctor Who's ever made. I think it is wow. sort of top, top three, top five of all time. And Well, yeah, f- funny you should say that because... In the DWM poll that's ongoing at the moment, yeah. which we will do, we'll do a big episode on yeah, the definitely. results of that whole thing eventually. But for the Fifth Doctor era, Five Doctors was voted the third best story. So Caves was still number one. Caves was still and number one. And it, was it uh, Resurrection or Earthshock as number two? Earthshock. Good. Okay. Well, yeah. that's that's the that's the right answer, DWM readers. Well done. Yeah. Um, I was quite surprised to see this at number three, though. Do you know what? It, but it's it's a bit like I've got another Beatle analogy I'm going to make later. But it's a bit like everybody saying, "Well, the Beatles are the best band ever," and it's like, "Well, yeah." yeah. And it's like the Five Doctors is one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever, and it's like, "Well, yeah." So it, I feel it sort of gets overlooked in a way. And it's an anniversary right. story, so it's one that everybody's seen a hundred times and maybe yeah. takes for granted a little bit. But maybe it was the setting that I watched it in, the fact that I haven't watched Doctor Who for such a long time. And yeah. I mean, it sounds like I, you know, I'm starved of it and I haven't watched it for like <laughs> two years. I've been locked in my shed, not able to watch it. But um, I think it was just the right storm of things and the right chemicals firing in my brain at that, in you know, during that day. I was just like, I need some Doctor Who. And the five doctors yeah. is what I needed to watch, and I came yeah. out of it just going, "I think this is this is peerless Doctor Who," uh, you know, for many reasons. But I'm interested to get into it with you because uh, yeah. I, I, I gather that it, I, I may be overinflating it compared to how you feel about it. I mean, I guess, like you said, for for you in the situation that you were in, it's good because this, you know, I can't, you know, oh, what Doctor Who story do I watch with which Doctor? Who gives a shit? I'll just watch this one. They're all in it, sort of. <laughs> they're both they're they're equally all in it and not all in it at the same time. <laughs> indeed, indeed, and that's a lot to get into as well. Um, my first question for you, Matt, is how did you first see the Five Doctors? Was it the broadcast? Was it the special edition? Was it Obelisk or or Mr. Whippy? I saw the broadcast version on VHS. The the the, the first version of the VHS that the came out. The 85 release, yeah. Yeah, not the not the later special edition one with uh, the King's Demons. Um, what about you? Was that the same as you? Did you no. see it the same way? So the oh. my first you know exposure to this was the mid-90s special edition version. Um, right. And then subsequently the DVD was one of the earlier DVDs I got because I think the DVD came out in 99 and that was the special edition version. Yeah. Um, but Matt, you know, I love my facts. You know, I love my facts. 
Um, yes. Did you know that the version that you watched on VHS back in 1985, well, no, not back in 1985 because you hadn't been born <laughs> yet, but that version, um, did you know yeah. you were actually watching the US version of The Five Doctors? No. Yes. So what? there's a whole crazy production history with The Five Doctors. There's a whole history with the way it was eventually put out there on various forms of physical media in the, in the future. So um, what you were watching was the US broadcast, which cuts about a minute. It basically just tops and tails the UK broadcast. Um, right. And so it runs about a minute shorter. Um, okay. And that was the version that came out on uh, VHS and Betamax in in, um, in 85. Um, right. I think that was the one that was... Was that the one that was boxed with the King's Demons? Because the one that I got in the mid-90s, the mid-90s version, didn't come with the King's Demons. That was definitely a solo release that one. Oh, weird see i thought there was only one that came with the king's demon mm. maybe i'm getting confused what maybe was on it, your cover uh it's not the uh the radio times cover with the black obelisk it's like it's red from my memory yeah so that's that's the, that's the king's demons okay edition. so i must have got it from a charity shop because i definitely didn't yeah. get the king's demons with it because you know i, I that's <laughs> I'm not watching the, the King's shop, Demons. The King's Demons and yeah. fuck for that bin. They were buying this. Some shit. poor kid ended up with the shit story out of that box set. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this has got a cool robot man in it. Or oh, boy. somebody went, I, I hate the special edition version. I would rather keep the King's Demons and give the special yeah. edition version away. So, oh, yeah. Really? So you and you watched the broadcast version. I watched the special edition version. Yeah. Um, I should I should point out that I watched the Five Doctors. Back when you were still in the country, because I thought we might have been able to sneak it in. Ah. So I've not seen it since, well, two what, months ago. Three months, or three, yeah, two, three months. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're going to have, I've got my notes. So it's like I'm re- reading another man's <laughs> <work>. <laughs> Okay, right. Well, look, let's, I asked you, I asked you the question, then we got bogged down in the particulars. Broadcast version or special edition, which, which one do you prefer? I think probably broadcast because that was the one that I watched as a kid. Um, And obviously the weird Mr. Whippy cone of doom. Mm. I don't like that. How did the poll go? Okay, so you put put it on Twitter. I obviously voted obelisk. Of course, of course. I I, I think fans of a certain age voted for obelisk. Well, that's interesting because I I was certain it was going to be black obelisk all the way. Yeah. so the, the the poll hasn't finished yet, but I think with, you know, nearly 600 votes, this is probably it now with 12 hours wow. left to go. Um, Black 600 Obelisk... 600 sad buggers. <laughs> Black <laughs> Obelisk has beaten Mr. Whippy 56 yeah. to 44%. Um, Ooh, so it's, it's close. And for a while, they were neck and neck, and occasionally Mr. Whippy was pulling ahead. Now, wow. I I think you're right. I think it is a generational thing. I, I and obviously it's down to whichever version that you were exposed to first. Um, yeah. I was brought up with the special edition one, as I said, but I, I have to say I prefer the look of the obelisk, even though it's yeah. you know a two D Quantel paint box rotating thing. Yeah. I um, mean, both are equally shite. <laughs> yes. Let's be let's be honest. And somebody else said this when um, uh, they were commenting on Mr. Whippy versus Obelisk, and I was thinking this watching it. Do you think there's room for a special special edition, maybe for the uh, collection set when this comes out? Oh my god! I mean, 
maybe, I think it was Tom Fan on Twitter who posted the picture of like a 3D obelisk, mm. uh, in the, which looked really, really cool. So I think maybe, but I mean, are we just delving into the realms of insanity? Well, look, there's a reason the special edition exists, and that is because it is the only classic series story that retained all of its material, broadcast and unbroadcast, alternative takes, bloopers and all that sort of stuff, uh, in wow. transmittable quality, in broadcast standard. Um, and while it was broadcast in mono, it was actually recorded in four-track stereo. So that's wow. why you get the 5.1 Dolby mix. Yeah. Uh, which I have to say, I listened to with headphones, and even though I was watching it via totally legal means... Um, because BritBox definitely exists out here. Um, I um, I thought it sounded fantastic, and and that is yeah. definitely something I want to open with as well as another bit of praise I want to heap on it. I think that this has one of the best scores in Doctor Who history. It's amazing. It's so good. It's the There's it's so the way it uses the Doctor Who theme elements, which yeah. we both love and that we don't get enough of because fuck Warner Chapel. Um, yeah, it's it's everything and cleverly done as well. It's just those little ooeyus, just they're yeah, ghostly and, and haunting, and, the odd sort and it of fits the gung, tone. Gung, gung. And interesting, obviously, yeah. that they don't have access to the uh, the stems, the individual elements that make up the original Delia theme. Yeah. So that is everything being made electronically. All those dum de dums, you know, recreating yeah. the the Delia elements um, by heart, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. I, the Cyberman I've, score, that's frigging awesome as well. Obviously, fantastic. Um, can I please get a, your best rendition of the Dark Tower? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, let me have a go. and People can vote and say which one's better. <clears throat> Something like that. How's that? I think yours was better. Uh, I, I, I will. My, my, mine sounded like a sheep being <laughs> um, being run over by Bessie. Castrated. Uh, oh, ah, yeah. how lovely was it? I, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about all the doctors respectively and, and their contributions to it. But when John pops up in Bessie, uh, yeah. I, I just lit up because he looks great. I mean, his bouffant yeah. is blow dried to he's, its, he's its ends. It's yeah, it's beautiful his uh, what do you think of his costume i understand that it's not a well-liked pertwee costume because you don't see the actual like suit underneath it's just the cloak yeah i i it's i quite like it i know people hate it um but i think because five doctors was one of the earliest stories i ever saw um so it was you know i knew no better you know i just thought well this is one of his costumes so who gives a shit um, so I, I do quite like it. Uh, what I don't like is the weird gold, uh, like, cummerbund that he's got that oh. you only see occasionally. If you see the, the, the bit with the Rastan warrior robot, when he runs into the cave to pick up the, the spears and stuff, mm. his jacket comes undone, and he has some, like, gold foil cummerbund thing on. It's really weird. Are we sure that's not that's just about. there to keep John's back straight? Is it not, like, uh, it like his be. corset? It might be. <laughs> It could be his corset. Um, yeah. The corset of Rassilon. <laughs> um, okay, so so we've got John in there. I think it's fair to say his contribution to it is is great. Um, yeah. 
Pat looks fantastic. His costume yeah. is is perfect. No complaints there. He's wonderful in it. Um, that Lee and you know Peter Davison aside, who you know, although I'm not overly keen on his Doctor on, on, on the Fifth Doctor, I think he's he's fine in this. He's a bit absent yeah. from the main, you know, anniversary action because he's obviously yeah. on the the A tier story and the overarching sort of narrative yeah. uh, with Barusa and whatnot. What do we think of the contributions of the two actors who weren't involved in this production being William Hartnell <laughs> and Tom Baker? Uh, well, I think William Hartnell has the best excuse because <laughs> he was dead. <laughs> so I think we can let him off uh, as we have subsequently let him off for... I, I mean, I haven't let him off for twice upon a time. Mm. Um, you know, that's, I, I, can't, I can't forgive him that. Um, he should have come back for that just to, just to We've turn got around the technology and say, now. I'm not doing this. Yeah, you know, and there's, no, there's no excuse. Um, I mean, I think Richard Herndl, I think, is fine. He is a bit too, of, too much of a miserable bastard. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the twinkle that William Hartnell has. But I think in terms of the confines of this story... He works. I think I have less issue with him as the first Doctor than I do the first Doctor in Twice Upon a Time. Because at least the first Doctor in this is just crotchety and not a complete... I mean, he is a bit sexist, but he's not yeah. He's not sexist in the same way. No, it's not his it's defining weird. character trait. But I, yeah. think, I think that the, the you know kind of thing that shot me the most in terms of discoveries of this is I think that the David Bradley first Doctor that we see in Twice Upon a Time uh, yeah. it was written by Stephen Moffat because he's just watched The Five Doctors and thinks that that is what the first Doctor is like. Because do you, think? Yeah. you think, actually, when you go back, sure, you know, it's full of Arabs. That's not a great thing to say. But it's, you know, that is one <laughs> example of the first Doctor from his yeah. time played by William Hartnell. But yeah. the way that he's written in Twice Upon a Time is like the Herndl Doctor is in The Five Doctors. It's like a sort of very broad strokes approach because yeah. it can't be William Hartnell. And so no. what do you draw on? Well, he was a crotchety, grumpy old man from the yeah. 60s. You know, and that and is... You, and, you, and you have that same thing, don't you, with The Fifth Doctor. He's a bit like, oh God, you know, I can't believe I used to be like this. Oh, Tegan, please, mm-hmm. you know... Cut, cut him some slack. You know, I was a bit of a wanker back in those days, you know. For sure, for sure. So, it, it, yeah, I, I can see what you're Thank saying. Thank God it, Tegan it wasn't gay because, you know, or I mean, yeah. who, maybe. Who, you know. Well, Russell T. Davies thinks so. Well, uh, there we go. Um, but it's up for debate with Janet Fielding, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that because that would have been a whole other narrative to have to have gone down in The Five Doctors, but thankfully, you know, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't brought up. Yeah. Um, um, he also has the worst eyesight of any of the Doctors. Hit me. What? Why? Uh, because when they're in the death zone, well, him and his granddaughter, because <laughs> when they're in the death zone and they sit on that polystyrene rock, um, she, she's like, oh, oh look, yeah. there's the TARDIS. And it's like, the TARDIS is literally a stone's throw away. It's How cataract. did you not see that? It's cataract, obviously, yeah, yeah Time Lord and it Milky runs Ice the in them. Runs <laughs> in the family. It must oh, be. Got it. Um, at, that that whole that whole pairing is obviously right of of yeah. Susan and the first Doctor. It kind of besides the fifth Doctor, obviously, 
kind of feels like the only pairing that they got right um, out of all of yeah. them. And, and that, you know, that sort of circumstance is out of their control. Um, and, you know, I think that it was supposed to be the third Doctor and the Brig uh, together. That, but that would have been cool. When Fraser wasn't available because it was supposed to be Jamie and Zoe and the second Doctor going through the death zone together. Right. They had to swap yeah. things round. You know, it, it's kind of a miracle that this was ever made, considering the the kind of yeah. plates they had to spin and the the schedules they had to get right for everybody, uh, and considering yeah. the fact that, as as we were going to mention, there is another Doctor who is conspicuous by his absence, um, that being T- Thomas Bakerton, and ah, ah the real yes, Doctor, the real Doctor Who, who said that he didn't <laughs> want to do it because the idea of being the feed for the other Doctors filled him with horror. So, oh, wow. you know, uh, what do we think of the use of Sharda in this story? I mean, given the fact that at that point no one had seen it, genius. Mm-hmm. It is actual genius. Fair play to JNT for coming up with that. Big time. Um, obviously now we have seen Sharda so many times. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's not quite as clever. But I think, yeah, it, it's, it's very well done. Um he, yeah, fair play to him for making the best out of a bad situation. Mm. Uh, but can you imagine what that would have been like with Tom? He would have just run the show. Yeah. What would Peter Davison's Doctor have done? Because I know Terence said he wanted Tom to be the Doctor that faced Barusa because he thought that Tom was the Doctor more likely to sort of turn to the dark side, as it were. Because mm. he's got that little dark twinkle, hasn't he, Tom? Um, so what would Peter Davison have done? He'd have been stuck in the bloody TARDIS making drinks, cocktails, but, I mean, and, and feeding the first Doctor pineapple chunks. <laughs> you wee pussy like that. That would have been, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have been symptomatic of what a lot of his companions had to go through in the 80s in terms of the way they were used, being yeah. you know, locked in the TARDIS making yeah. tea and coffee. Um, so maybe it would have been the perfect anniversary special if that had happened. It would have been the perfect <laughs> in-joke. Um I, I have to say, you know, I, I don't want this to be another case of Billy bashes the, you know, fifth doctor for the sake of it. Mm. Um, and I, maybe it's because he is in the presence of doctors I prefer. But yeah. it does highlight the lack of, maybe not agency is the wrong word, but it does highlight the lack of authority that he exerts when he stood next yeah. to John and when he stood next yeah. to Pat. And I think that that, that does irk me slightly you know that he is quite passive as a doctor Mm. and I don't need my doctors to be barking orders and telling people to go and make tea and coffee but you know out of all those doctors if I if I were whose journey would you prefer to have been on you know like you would you would be there with John surely because he's the one that commands and he's the one that's in that position of authority and would keep you safe um yeah I think it did just highlight to me how how much more passive he is yeah. as, a, as, a, as a doctor. But even Pat manages with the little that he has, he adds that twinkle to it. Mm. You know, and, it, and it, you know, those scenes are still a joy to watch with him and the brigadier, you know, that, that banter and that, that, that's, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame, really. Um, I mean, maybe Terence just didn't, couldn't get a handle on his doctor. Maybe yeah. he's just like, well, you know, the other, like you said, the others have such strong personalities and such strong character traits that, yeah, maybe 
it was just like, well, I'll let him do the main story so that we can get the plot out of the way. Mm-hmm. But really, I want to do all the fun stuff with these two. And then... Exactly. And it's because he, he, he knows them, um, you know, yeah. both professionally and privately. You know, he and, yeah, exactly. and he was in the show and knows what they would be up to and what they would be doing. You know, he's he's more yeah. over those those characters naturally. Um, yeah. It, it again highlighted to me how Doctor Who is Terence Dix. Um, yeah. Every line of dialogue, every reference, um, the the techno babble, the fact that there isn't really a plot, but you just sort of just go along with it because it's a fun ride. Um, yeah. The people's tone of voice that the the pacing of it all it it just illustrates that terence dix i think is probably besides the target books um mm. and you know obviously his contributions as, as, as script editor and for individual stories he it, his writing just is doctor who and doctor yeah. who it is him um yeah and it was absolutely the right decision to get him to do it um i mean robert holmes was initially approached um, yeah. He wrote a spec called uh, the, Six the Doctors, Six Doctors, yeah. Um, which, if I find in my notes here, uh, featured the, the android. S- the, well, William Hartnell. Mm, there's an android William Hartnell, and there's also a storyline about the Cybermen kidnapping past incarnations to create a new race mat called. Now, stop me if you've heard this before. Called the Cyberlords. Oh. So, a much better name than the Cybermasters. <laughs> indeed. But, you know, goes to show that maybe there is a filing cabinet in Cardiff that when the yeah. people are running out of ideas, they just go through old <laughs> specs from the 80s and go, hmm, maybe the Cyberlords would be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. We better change the name. <laughs> <laughs> at least, yeah, so we don't get in trouble with, with Bob Holmes' <laughs> estate. Is that, co- is that copying the, the homework? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, just just tweak it. Just tweak it slightly. Just a little bit. Um, so yeah, that that was an intention. Uh, Waris Hussein was also going to direct this story. Who who did direct this in the end? Uh, Peter Moffat. Okay, uh, probably his best Doctor Who. Uh, oh, I like State of Decay. I think he does State a good of job. Decay with State is of good. Decay. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, I I can't forgive him with that. Uh, I think the trouble is I can't forgive Peter Moffat for that. Sarah Jane Smith falling down that slight incline. Oh my god. Because that is just appalling. And obviously JNT directed the amazing Cyberman Raston Warrior Robot seat. Yeah. So, I'd forgotten about that. You know. Yeah, JNT, man, he should have he should have done some more stuff because that's a one of the best action sequences in at least classic Doctor Who. Possibly Absolutely. in all Doctor Who. Abs- he knows <laughs> that, you know, ultimately all people want to see is Cybermen being decapitated and spewing out yeah. mummy's milk. That's ultimately yeah. what they want um yeah but yeah apparently waris hussein was approached and um i was able to ask him about that last year and he was in america oh, yeah. at the time so oh, yeah. he wouldn't have been able to do it anyway um and douglas camfield was approached and then Ooh. declined but and then would subsequently pass away at the start of the next year very early in in oh, um, right, 84 so yeah you know as, and uh, but peter moffat does do a good a good job yeah. with this story and you know you've got to think again how many plates they were spinning um yeah probably trying to wrangle those egos in the studio as well when you finally get all those doctors together um, i was just gonna say you know he's got a lot of people to try and keep happy mm-hmm. um, and i mean you know i think there is studio footage isn't there where you can see 
John gets a bit testy and, you know, it, it must be difficult. You know, if you'd have had Tom in there as well, well, you know, there probably would have been a punch up or something. Nothing, nothing would have been done. They would have, <laughs> no. everybody would have gone on strike. Um, yeah. Sarah Jane being pulled out of that ditch. I mean, Elizabeth Sladen has her working boots on to try and sell that. And she, you know, yeah. she kind of does, but yeah. you can't distract yourself from the fact that she is just in a lay-by, you know, like yeah. she is on a very slight incline. Um, but all that is forgiven when you see John in his full splendor and there's a sort yeah. of Vaseline smeared quality to all the location footage. Yeah. It looks so luscious and, and his yeah. hair looks so luscious and it all just <laughs> looks, it all just looks fantastic. And, and I just lit up seeing him and I, and I just yeah. thought, uh, I can forgive the daftness of of Sarah Jane falling into that into that slight ditch. Yeah. This is just John stole fab. the line from Liz Sladen, the teeth and curls line. She was supposed to say that. She was supposed to say, "Last time I saw you, you were all teeth and curls." Does any of that surprise me? No, not in <laughs> yeah. the slightest. You know, I think he. So was it doesn't really make any sense that. because why would John Pertwee know what his future Matt, regeneration looks like? Big Finish audios exist. I was just about to say there must be a big Finnish box set of course. explaining how we, that happens. We, we might go into this when we do our Patreon review of The Artist at the End of Time, which has just come out. Um, but, you know, Is that out? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's come out for me because it's the 1st of June, uh, as I record this in, in NZ. Oh, wow. So you have it ahead of me. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I might try and listen to that today and get my notes done. But when we come to do the Patreon Ooh. one, we'll, we'll talk about that more in depth. But... It's a bit of breaking news. When I woke up, uh, Big Finish have removed the um, AI version oh, yeah. of the cover um, yeah. very quickly because we want you to, you know, actually, you know, listen to the Patreon version and, and tell us what you think. <laughs> uh, what do we think of, of them bowing down to all that criticism? Um, I mean, I didn't think there was a problem with the cover, really. I mean, it's being used as a tool to create new things, you know, like the robots. No, it's not being used to destabilise government, so it's all right. Exactly. <clears throat> but um, I do think the current cover is better. It is less cluttered. It, lo- it, looks, it, it looks less cluttered. It looks just, it's just nicer, I think, just yeah. a nicer cover. So, um, it, yeah, fair play to them. If you want to know more about our thoughts, then you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the review of death and you can listen <laughs> to not only our review of Doctor Who, Once and Future Past Lives, mm. but also all the other Once and Futures and our other audio dramas that we're listening yeah. to. That's um, the best McCoy one looks good, doesn't it? It does. A, a genius for war, Terry Malloy's back and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah, very exciting. Um, on the subject of John still, uh, because I can't get enough of him, I yeah. uh, but there's actually more of a praise of another individual in this who I think mm. is superb and uh, who I appreciate more every time I see him. I would have probably said a few years ago that I was disappointed that it's not Delgado and Pertwee sparring off against each other on the death in the death zone. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I have grown to love the Ainley Master so much over the last yeah. you know year plus that I don't care. I'm not disappointed. No. Um, it works really well that scene. It's just brilliant because of course the Doctor is suspicious of the Master and you don't get the impression that this is a different person. You know the way that they're. Yeah interacting um what do we think of anthony amy in the story i think this is one of his best performances i absolutely he's, love him 
<clears throat> he's great and you you do sort of feel sorry for him because you think yeah you know he has every right to be pissed off at the end <laughs> totally. because he really does you know he was trying to help them um yeah, I mean, I, I think he's great. Uh, I mean, I, I that scene with him and John is fantastic. The scene in the, the council chamber with the president and Flavia and Castellan, you know, that's great as well. Um, he's just got that wonderful twinkle mm. in his eyes. It's just mischievous, isn't it? He's mm. got that mischievous twinkle. Um, yeah, he, he's great. He, he's ever so good. Um, what makes you think I want your forgiveness? He's just like, yeah. oh, he just radiates. He doesn't radiate sort of cruelty. He doesn't radiate like black evil, you know, like deep no. evil. He's just no. a meddler and he just revels in things going wrong and things only going his way. And, you yeah. know, it's, he's a, he's, he's, Camp in the best kind of example yeah. of, the, of a Doctor Who villain being over the top, but also still yeah. menacing, and you don't want to get on the wrong side of them, you know. Yeah, and he looks amazing in that cloak. He does. He looks great. He should yeah. have kept. He that. should have kept that. Absolutely, yeah, so good. Um, he teams up with the Cybermen um, because yeah. he's had enough of people assuming that he's he's a wrong one in this situation. But of course, we know he is. <laughs> um, he thinks to himself. Mm, I've never teamed up with the Cybermen before. <laughs> and then subsequently, Stephen Moffat goes, ah, the Master always teams up with the Cybermen. Always. Got it. Again, maybe the only episode of Doctor Who Stephen Moffat's ever watched is the Five Doctors. <laughs> it does seem like Maybe it. this goes to prove that point. Um, and all of the bits from Name of the Doctor. Pat Troughton, Five Doctors. John Pertwee, Five Doctors. It's... It, We've broken this Rice conspiracy wide open. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the Cybermen are in it. It's my favourite iteration of the Cybermen. Um, yeah. It's the AC Cybermen. It's David Banks. It's Mark Hardy. It's the whole gang back together. But what is wrong with their voices on location? They sound terrible. They sound weird. Yeah. It's yeah, like they sound bonkers. Slightly oh, pit- it does. It, they sound like Mulligan and O'Hare. Mulligan and O'Hare. It's yeah. just, it's so bad. Um but when they get into the studio and it, it sounds better. It's I fine. guess it's just yeah. radio interference or somebody didn't know the Welsh settings. Welsh weather. <laughs> Welsh weather. It makes everybody sound a bit more high pitched when it's cold. You know, their little cyber bollocks are freezing. I'm not surprised yeah. they're a little bit higher pitched. Yeah, um, David Banks. He's uh, yeah. It just sounds weird. It, yeah, it and, then, and then and then Mark Hardy is always the slightly higher one anyway, and then he starts yeah. to sound a bit like this, and it's like it just yeah. sounds crap. Uh, what, um, what, what do you think of the ah? Oh no, you didn't get the ah uh, because no, we didn't of get the ah the, the broadcast. Uh, no, the special edition. Yeah, I tell you one I thing. Like the R. I, 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 like, I like the R as well. Is that the Doctor Who equivalent of no from Star Wars? Yeah, it must be. It must yeah. be. Um, what do you think, the one one thing that I did notice, because, you know, I'm so used to watching the special edition that I, I, you know, one thing I did notice is that Tom's final scene in it uh, that they use from Sharda isn't running yeah. into the TARDIS and getting his scarf stuck in the door. It's just the, the, the Mr. Whippy dropping him off on back on top of the punt boat and flying off. Oh, um, really? How I, weird. Yeah. Um I and, and that is definitely something from the special edition that I don't I don't prefer. No. I, um, I like that. Uh, when I was a kid I thought that was the best Tom running into the TARDIS. It is. 
and it's just it's 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 a bit more action you know like i guess in context it doesn't really make an awful lot of sense because he's not being dropped off exactly where he's you know supposed to be and all that kind of stuff but you know it is what it is Who, who gives a shit it's the end of the episode people are just glad to see tom baker doing stuff that they've never seen before exactly yeah we're, we're, we're all we're all happy with with tom's contribution because you know yeah things didn't kick off in the studio um yeah other monsters that pop up in this obviously you've got the Cybermen, you've got the dalek which you know the dalek contribution is a bit disappointing um it yeah. seems to me it's been written by somebody who couldn't care less whether or not the daleks are in it and just like well it's the 20th so we've got to have them <laughs> in it somewhere. you see terence dicks they think oh bollocks we've got to have the daleks in this oh uh, in a corridor, laser beams bounce off the wi- off the mirrors. Yes, yes, you see, yes, you see, yes. Um, he's very excited about having the Daleks in there, obviously. Um, but we do have the Yeti. Uh, in I, I will say though scene. about that Ooh. about that Dalek mm. sequence, we do get that amazing shot of the Dalek exploding True. and all of the innards. So I can forgive it for that, and I, also I, that amazing um, outtake from Roy Skelton. Oh, bollocks. bollocks. Yeah, Yeah, that's lovely. I I, I think maybe it's because it's Peter Moffat directing and maybe they needed somebody a bit more dynamic and somebody who would have shot it a bit less static kind of like. But I think that that shot of the Dalek exploding would have looked better in motion or with somebody in the foreground because it looks like a... It looks like somebody has set up an explosion and everybody's too scared to get near it. Because yeah. the Dalek has got all of its gun sticks down and it's obviously just, you know, I think... An empty prop. Yeah, yeah. something... Or, or the, the cut needs to be a lot quicker to get to that explosion yeah. or something. But, it, you know, that is that is a, a peanut sort of complaint for me. So, you know, whatever. Um, it, but it, yeah. Is that one of the worst Daleks in history? Mm, can we think of worse Daleks than that? There's probably a couple from the chase, like the one that gets pushed off the Mary Celeste. He's obviously hopeless. That's pretty bad. Hmm. I can't think of many other bad Daleks. I think he's the worst. He's probably the worst Dalek. He's pretty awful, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's coming at the bottom of Davros's Christmas list for sure. Um, Yeah. That's poor, poor form from that Dalek. Um, The Yeti sequence I really like. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. A bit like the whole thing with Jaws and the fact that the mechanical shark didn't work, so they had to shoot around it. Apparently the Yeti was in an absolute state, that costume. So that's why yeah. they leave a lot of it to darkness and a lot of it to close sort of um, close shots. Um, but it works. It works it so well. It really works. It's One better thing that, for it. I, totally. One thing that doesn't work, though, is the second Doctor and the Brigadier getting cornered in a, a little cave and going, well, yeah. this is it, we're dead. Bruh, there is clearly daylight behind you. I know, <laughs> You know, like, and then all they do is sort of turn around and go, where there's a wind, there's a way. It's like, yeah. Pat, come on. <laughs> there is clearly a massive way for you to get out of here that you yeah. guys are having to ignore. Um, but yeah, that whole thing, the galactic glitter is nice. But it's yeah. like, but I think that's left over from, um, from John because it doesn't, you know, Sure, Pat's got very baggy pockets, but he's not the gadget doctor. That that no, is, but a, it's just a firework, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's just I mean, a little. Sprinkler. Every time I watch that, I just think, "Oh my god, 
health and safety. Duh. They just said to Pat Trouton, here, light, light this firework, Pat, and, and make sure you toss it. Make sure you toss it before it blows up and takes your hand off. At least he's not doing a Matthew Waterhouse and sort of like squinting and like holding no. it like as far yeah. away from his face as he can possibly get it. That's Fair good. play to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think Nick Courtney's a bit has got a bit more trepidation about carrying the torch in those caves. I think he's a bit like shit. Oh, I've I mean, got yeah. I've got spirit gum attached to my face. <laughs> I'm going to flames. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to come out of this cave looking like Bilal. I'm going to have everything <laughs> singed off. Um, yeah, he um, he's great in this though. He's you know it, it is interesting seeing this blend of actors from different different generations though i'm not you know trying to use this as a as a sort of uh an underhanded comment on on anybody but you know carol ann ford is acting in a very 60s doctor who fashion you know she's yeah. she's she's been given arguably even less to work with than she was when she was on the show initially um yeah she's sort of she's sort of absent uh, character wise you know this could be anybody um now we're on the subject of Susan. Mm. Obviously, one of the, the, the most, the biggest missed opportunities here is that her and the Fifth Doctor don't get to yeah. have a conversation. Um, but of course, this is 1980s Doctor Who. This isn't modern Doctor Who, where this would definitely happen. Um, you know, that, that was just the way things were back then. But when Susan sees the Fifth Doctor, she always looks at him with a look that says... Oh, he is a bit all right. <laughs> Do you know what's hilarious about that? I, I discovered that John Nathan Turner kept saying to, um, uh, to uh, Caroline Ford, can you stop calling him grandfather? Because it insinuates that at some point in the past, the doctor has had sex. Right. And she was like, <laughs> apparently she just laughed in his face and said, well, I'm not going to do it then if I can't call yeah. him grandfather. So it's funny that you say that. So maybe she's, is she sort of taking the piss by doing that? Ma- like, maybe she is. Maybe she thought, I'll get you. Yeah. I'll look at him like I want to ravage him on the spot and, you know, get your cricket whites off, she, mate. She does a bit. And I, I always thought it, like even as a kid, <laughs> I always thought, that's a weird way to look at your granddad. I mean, do me, I don't do care me now on Rassalon's it. altar. Oh my <laughs> grandfather <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ God, or, or grandson you're young enough to be my you know at this yeah. stage um, okay so we're in we're in the the, the tower of, of Rassilon we're in the dark tower um, the chessboard oh wait what about oh. what about the Rassilon warrior robot we haven't really talked about that oh well it's obviously one of the best scenes in Doctor Who it's just yeah it's amazing and and, and, and Terence Dix loved it so much that bloody robot comes back in so many novels. Yeah, right. It's it's had a life it's of its own. It's always turning up. It's it's yeah. I mean, I'm amazed it took as long as it did for us to get an action figure of yeah of the Rastel Mario robot. But now that we have it, that's obviously fabulous. And it's yeah, it's it it's just a a brilliant scene and the right Doctor as well to have, you know yeah because um, it's action oriented and it's you know it's very it's very of, of, yeah. of Pertwee's time to have a sequence like that um I something else that I think that Terence loved um because again he I think he's brought it back here is the killer floor from death to the Daleks because yeah. we have the chessboard which yeah. 
is an exercise in, all right, we need to stop these characters from getting to the the tomb of Rassilon as quickly as the, the story yeah. maybe necessitates. So let's just put the brakes on a second here. What do you think of the chessboard? Is it is it daft? Does it go on a bit too long? I, I well, hmm. see, it's fine. Like, it, it's fine until they try to work it out. So like, mm. when you see the Cybermen going across it, getting zapped, brilliant. You know, they're blowing up all over the place. It looks amazing. As soon as you start talking about pie and all this mm. shit you're like well how how does that relate to this in any way shape or form yeah and then you have anthony ainley like hopscotching across it and so you sort of think to yourself oh okay maybe certain tiles are dodgy and then you get richard Herndon who just literally walks across the floor as if nothing <laughs> is wrong with it whatsoever but doesn't so, the Ainley Master, or is this is this some sort of misdirection? He says to the cyber leader, the pattern must change with every crossing. Oh, I think that's just misdirection. Okay, fine. Right. Okay, that does make sense. Um, it, it does feel like the entire story puts the brakes on, though. And it, it, yes, it you does. Know, it's the bit where it, it, it does. It's the only part of it, I think, that feels laboured, considering that the special edition is an hour 40, um, yeah. which is, you know, movie length plus... Um, it, it's the only part of it I think that feels like they really could have trimmed that because yeah. also it's not it's it, you know this will tie into my kind of conclusion on the story but I don't care how long this is because you get to spend more time with these characters and you get to see them interact and all that good yeah. stuff but that sequence when it's just when it's the the pairing that makes the kind of least sense when it's Tegan and the first Doctor it's like, right, let's yeah. just get this thing out of the way, you know. Like, they could have just cut the bit where they eventually cross and it's just like, oh, they just got... Maybe they walked around the edge. Because I think yeah. that you probably could, you know. You probably could, yeah. I mean, I, and I think the problem with that is, up until that point, everything else in the Tomb of Rassilon, like in the corridors, is all moodily lit. Mm. You've got all those sort of coloured gels on the walls and stuff to light it. Um, but then you get to this and it's just an open space, mm. brightly lit studio. Yeah. It's like, well, there's there's nothing here other than some like buttresses or pillars or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then this floor that makes no sense. No. And you can just tell like, oh, this is a nightmare because we've got all these pyrotechnics to go off and, you know, we just need to get this done. Uh, so there's not really any flair in how that's directed, that scene. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree. It just feels like you just sort of go, oof. Okay, uh, and you're right with you know the fact you're cutting away from the moody, creepy atmosphere of the corridors yeah. <clears throat> because you've there, got all that stuff with John exactly, and you're getting the anniversary pops. You're getting the kind of yeah. the Marvel style. It's that character that's come back, you know, and like yeah. when Jamie and and Zoe appear, you can almost paste the whooping and hollering of a Marvel cinema audience over their yeah. appearance because it is yeah. just the reveal where you just have the second Doctor and the Brig walking down the corridor and then the kind of reaction of what they've seen and then you cut to them. And we've already, yeah. at this point, have we already seen Mike and Liz Shaw and we know that things are a yes, bit spooky? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure that John probably went, why isn't Katie here? Um, yeah. But it's lovely to have Liz Shaw because yeah. she is... 
you know, she gets a year on Doctor Who and then is forgotten about for the rest of eternity. Yeah. So it's lovely that, you know... She gets um, to help come back. And exactly, that Caroline John is there. Um, yeah. <clears throat> do you know who was also supposed to be in this? Uh, John Levine? Yes. Do you know why he's not in it? Um, they didn't give him enough to do. The, the, living with Levine is one of the most amazing documentaries, I think, the Doctor's ever made. Because it does give you an insight into, into the man. And it does, you know... <sighs> It does make you question if the lights are on. Because he did apparently say he was offered the part that Colonel Crichton eventually plays. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So he's supposed to be the Briggs successor in that scene, that first scene with the second Doctor. But oh, read- I cannot believe, I can't believe that Sergeant Benson no. would, would get there. But so. who else do you have? Because you can't give it to Yates because he's going to turn heel and become a baddie at some point again. Oh, yeah. He'll get, you yeah, know, so turn he, over to the dark side. Yeah, he's, he's got the sack. It's like, it's like making Ringo the lead of the Beatles, you know, giving yeah. Benson the, the head position in unit. Yeah. It's just like, what are you doing? Um, so apparently he was given the script and said, you're going to be Benton, um, you're going to be the Briggs replacement. And because the script required him to not recognise the second Doctor, he said, I'm not going to do it, and just pulled out. And it's just like... What? But surely... sure. Okay, that's an oversight on Terence's part, obviously. He obviously forgot that Benton had met the second Doctor. But why wouldn't you just say, can we just tweak that Tweak this scene, yeah. You know, like, I guess the scene kind of revolves around the fact that the second Doctor is dismissive of Crichton and is only there for the brig yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But you, you idiot. Why? <laughs> you could have been in, you know, you could have been in the the 20th anniversary special. Wow. I so daft. I, I, I like to think that what actually happened was, I was like, right, John, you have to be Alistair Gordon Etheridge Stewart's successor. Uh, and because at unit, if you're in a position of authority, you have to have a moustache. So you have to grow <laughs> a moustache for this filming. And he thought, shit, I can't grow a moustache. Uh, nah, nah, not going to do it. <laughs> and, and Nick's not letting you borrow a spirit gun because he's only got so yeah. much of it left. You know, it's not going to happen. Um, so we yeah, only made that, one. We've only got the budget for one moustache. For one moustache. We've and, spent and it all on getting all these other actors back and flying everybody in from all over the place. Yeah. You can only have one moustache. That's it. Um, maybe that's the money that was fronted by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation because that's a, co- it's a co-production with them. So maybe they put the money in for the for the uh, the syrups and the uh, and the moustaches. Um, yeah. So we've got all that great spooky stuff in the corridors, and yeah. then we eventually get to the tomb of Rassilon. Um, and it's here where we, you know, we confront the main villain of the story. It's not the Cybermen, it's not the Daleks, it's not the Yeti, um, it's not Peter Moffat. It is Brusa. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was my, my horny reveal. <laughs> <laughs> as, as we've said before on the Review of Death, most good Doctor Who stories live and or die on a good villain, on the, yeah. on the good baddie. And the master is sort of secondary to all this. He's on the same level of participation as the Daleks and the Cybermen. He's in it more, yeah. but, you know, and he obviously moves the story along with his involvement with the High Council and whatnot. Um, what do we think of Barusa as the main villain for this story? I think that was a really clever idea on Terence's part, because it is a character that we've got to know quite well over the subsequent appearances. Um, 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I think initially the plan was it was going to be the master. And like he said, well, people are going to see that coming mm. a mile off. So I think it's clever to have someone that the Doctor, you know, admired turn yeah. out to be the bad guy. Um, you know, this, this sort of idea that, you know, he's been in power so long that you do get a bit power hungry and, you know, it corrupts you and you, mm. you, you want to, you know, he wants to cling to that. So I, I, I think that was, that was good. And I think the, the actor playing him is, is really good. Yes, I forgot to look that up. But yeah, he, he, power corrupts. You're absolutely right. That is his problem. Yeah. Um, and you buy it. Like, I buy yeah. that he is drunk with power. That whole thing of, I've still got work to do. I haven't finished yet. And yeah. his final thing is to be granted immortality. And obviously yeah. um, it's that old fable. It's it's Terence going back into the well of, you know, myths and legends and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, you don't want this this immortality thing. Yeah. It's a curse. Um, and to lose is to win. And he who wins shall, shall lose. lose. Um, the inc- and the inclusion of Rassilon. And, and I love... Yeah. I think that that, that um, death, you know, uh, everlasting life... Uh, thing it is so for creepy. Barusa. It is horrible. You know, it's Those just eyes going. Oh, oh it's, it's horrible. It's it's awful. I, I love. I think there's some studio footage I've seen somewhere of the retakes and retakes of all those poor actors sort of sitting there oh, going doing that. left yeah. and right, and you say, "Oh God, the eye strain already on me is getting you know getting yeah, too yeah. much." Um, An often quoted line in our house is, "Hang on, yeah." On the ring. <laughs> <laughs> what what do we think of Rassilon? Because this is this is Rassilon's. You know, he's here. We've well, been he's, seeing Rassilon. He, they, they've modulated his voice, haven't they, in the special edition? Yeah, he sounds a bit more ominous. Yeah. So he's all <laughs> immortality. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, sure, he's great. I think he'd he'd he makes his first appearance proper in Doctor Who Weekly, I think, or Doctor Who Monthly at that point. I think right. he's in the comic strip first. Um, but yeah, for his first TV appearance, yeah, what? fine. He's a big Ed. He's a big Ed. It's he's a big Ed. Time Lord Society, I think, is at its peak of representation in the Five Doctors because it's, you mm. know... It's not the old fuddy-duddies wandering around moaning about their hips. It's not yeah. the sort of phantom menace levels of why are we talking about bloody, you know, political relationships and da-da-da-da. It's not yeah. long, empty corridors and then suddenly they're sat down having a coffee like it is in the Ark of Infinity. <laughs> Ark of Infinity, um, yeah. It, it, you know, but Time Lord history and Time Lord society feels lofty and it's like we're seeing wrestle on and you know all this yeah, sort of yeah. stuff it does I think it does it is paid off well all this you yeah. know building up of the, the mythology of, of Time Lord society I think it's really well represented in this and I love the you know uh, you know can I grant you immortality doctors and they're all oh, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no 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 thanks and no, Pat no, no. hiding behind um, John is just John, yeah. beautiful um, you, you know that's obviously a pattern and, and then he says uh, jokes on you you're going to be immortal anyway <laughs> you're going to have all these regenerations yeah I haven't told you yet but I've looked into the mists of time and there's going to be lots of really convoluted ways in which you get your regeneration cycle regeneration. refreshed so don't worry um, yeah I, I, I love I think that's one of my favourite little bits of acting from from Pat is uh, him cowering behind yeah. John um, 
you know, and it goes to show that although there may have been a bit of tension initially, that they do have a chemistry on screen together. And oh, sometimes yeah. it is yeah. that sort of those combustible elements coming together that does generate the the best performance out of two actors. And, you know, you see yeah. so many examples of that, but they are, they're great together. And I, I just, I love that, that moment. Um, and, I, and I also like the fact that it's the Hartnell doctor that mm. sort of gets it and twigs to it. And that, you know, he's, there's that wisdom to it, yeah. even though technically he's youngest out of all of them. You yeah. know, he has that wisdom that they, they all sort of respect, which I, which I like. It's a lovely touch. Um, and, and it's, the most useful he's been in this story, really, because he can't be yeah. as physically uh, involved. So, of course, no. he's got that, you know, he's got that uh, older slash younger head on him and he's yeah. able to dictate things. Yeah, it was great. Um, I think, though, that that final coming together of all the companions and doctors and stuff in the in the grander scheme of the story feels very fleeting, you know, it does. Um, it's very rushed, isn't it? It does feel right. You know, it's lovely to see uh, the Brig and Sarah Jane back together again, but it does feel yeah. like, okay, we're running out of time now. We need to sort of get on with this. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think and that's I like the only that disappointing part of it. Yeah, and I like that it's the Brigadier is sort of the the one that cements them all together. Yeah. Because he sort of he's seen them all. He's seen all the Doctors, and with the exception of Susan, he's met all the companions. Mm-hmm. And there's Susan uh, sort of is, in the corner going, yeah. you know, like, I don't know anybody here. It's like going to a party and not knowing everybody. It's just like, mm, yeah. this is awkward. <laughs> oh, this is awkward. And I kind of fancy my granddad. Oh, <laughs> Fuck it out. Okay. Um, um, it, but that ending, that, that final line, it's like, you know, it, it, it is a circular thing and it all comes back together. It's like having Hartnell at the start again. It's just, it's topped and tailed beautifully with that yeah. you know you're going to go on the run from your people in a rickety old TARDIS you know and that is just such a lovely final line to end on it, it is beautiful um, now remind me mm. when the TARDISes leave the tomb of Rassilon yeah how does that look in the special edition do you know what this is good this is terrible I can look at it now but do you know what I did Matt I actually only watched like I don't know I probably missed the last 10 minutes because I'm like, I know how this ends. We all know how this ends. <laughs> um, I, To my mind, it doesn't look all that dissimilar to so the, the regular version. Because um, it's very clunky. That sort is, of like rotoscoped image of the TARDIS going... Yeah, and sort of, yeah, vorping out. Um, I'm j actually just on my highly legal version of being able to... Watch. Oh, okay. So, ah, uh, no, the Mr. Whippy ice cream cone... Uh, merges outside of the police box and then oh, yeah. uh, picks them all up so the TARDIS doesn't sort of float off. And, which, you know, probably does look it prob better. Pro it probably does look better. Yeah. Probably makes a bit more sense. Um, but like you said, yeah, ending beautifully with that line. You know, mm. why not? After all, that's how it started. Brilliant. Lovely stuff. And like you said, you know, it's the story is you know, bookended that way because we have Hartnell at the beginning, which is a really lovely way of getting Hartnell in it. Exactly, um, yeah. And I, 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 I'm really glad that they did that. Uh, and I mean, it must have been incredible for fans at the time mm. who hadn't seen 60s Doctor Who to see, you know, the governor himself. Um, the original, you, you know, might right say, Right at yeah. the start. Yeah, they must have been like, holy shit, that's, that's, that's him. 
That's him from old from the old days. I think that it it is a it's a complete anniversary special. I think because because of the fact that they went to the lengths of thinking, let's get an archive clip, let's yeah. go into Time Lord mythology, let's yeah. have all these actors come back together, let's get all these old monsters back, um, and and yet still give something to, you know to the new lot to do you know and, yeah. and still be part of the story and. <clears throat> it's what I came back to when I, when I did finish it, I say finished it, obviously I didn't finish the entire story. Um, yeah. But it's the thing that I came back to at the end, you know, and with the, the use of the Delia theme going into the modern version of the theme. Yeah. Really cool. It's the template for all Doctor Who anniversary stories, you know, doing that is yeah. the reason that the 50th anniversary opens with the Hartnell title sequence. Um, yeah. And that we have the, you know, obviously the three doctors did it first, but that wasn't technically an anniversary special. It was just the first episode of season ten. Um, yeah, it sets the it sets the pace for what we expect for from a Marvel style team up anniversary story. Um, yeah, and I think that that is a, another reason why it's overlooked. I, I genuinely okay. There's one fault which I can pick with it, which I'll I'll put to you in a minute. But I think this is perfect. I don't think you know even the special edition. Um, I think this is the best, one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever. What do you think? Do you think that's hyperbole? Do you think it's it's maybe not as good as it's made out to be? Or, I mean, it's jolly good fun, isn't it? I mean, I don't think you can watch it and not have a smile on your face throughout. Um, I think maybe when I was younger and I was in my arsehole teenager days, <laughs> I probably would have said... Oh, it's a bit fan wanky, mm. but honestly, bollocks to that. It's great. It's great fun. Is it one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever? I don't know if I'd go that far. Mm. I wouldn't put it in my top 10, for instance. Um, but I think it is a perfect distillation of everything that is Doctor Who. Mm. There's a bit of something for everyone in it. And... You know, it 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 honors the past while moving the story forward. Mm. So, like you said, the the stuff with Time Lord mythology is great because we get to build upon Rassilon and his character. And was he was he good or mm. was he bad? You know, and that whole um, that whole dilemma of like, well, is he a bit shady? Which obviously you know inspires. Timothy Dalton and Donald yeah. Sumter when they come to play the part and you know how he's presented in the Time War and all mm. that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's great. It, it, it's really good fun, and I think I don't think, given the circumstances, I don't think this story could be any better than what it is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I I think it's when you yeah that's totally right. When you include the the technical and logistical you know, yeah. things that they must have had to have gone through to get this off the ground, you know, let alone finish it and get it and get it as good as it, ha- it is. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of a triumph, really. Um, and I'm sure that... I can't imagine that there was any Doctor Who fan... I mean, obviously, we've got lots of people watching who would have seen it on broadcast um, and yeah. would have been, you know, paying attention to all the hype and all the build-up through the Radio Times and with the Doctor Who exhibition at Longleat and so on. And yeah. you know would have would have known. Oh, no, hang on. Longley is is it Longley eighty five? It's not. It's not. Oh, is it eighty? Is it eighty three? It's eighty three. It yeah, is eighty three. Yeah. Um, 
obviously everybody who was watching it at the time may have a different feeling about it and their opinions may have changed, but I cannot imagine how exciting it must have been at the time. Um, Oh yeah. So, you know, when you, when you, you know, include that and and the fact that it still gets me, it's every single time that these actors come together, it's still exciting and I'm never bored watching it. And I, I think that is the thing if I was to criticise it for anything, it, it still doesn't even turn into a criticism because the only thing I can say about it is, is it too long? Um, and it's certainly the special edition. But then yeah. I also have to ask, and here's the other Beatle analogy, does the White Album have too many songs on it? You know, like mm. you're spending all this time with these pe- with these characters. It's the yeah. same thing I feel about <clears throat> Colin when we watched Trial of a Time Lord for the Pandorica um talk we did i am now sad that this season has come to an end and that this is the last you see in the original series of this doctor when the five doctors ends it's like i wish i could see more of these people interacting these characters interacting and and all this sort of stuff it is the marvel team up it's the original um yeah and i think it gets all of that stuff bang on for what they what they were losing with tom and obviously william Hartnell not being involved and then other actors who could have, you know, been part of the celebrations but couldn't for yeah. logistical reasons. I just think that it all just comes together to form this perfect little nugget of Doctor Who. You're right, mm-hmm. it is distilled quintessential Doctor Who. And I think that's probably why it's one of my favourites yeah. of all time. Yeah, it's magical because it manages to be equally brilliant in the way that certain things are shot. Like we've said about the action sequence with the mm. Cybermen and stuff like that. And also equally managed to be a bit shit in places yeah. with stuff like, you know, the Dalek or mm. Liz Sladen down a hill. Or the fact um, there isn't really a plot. It's just, you know, well, yeah. let's just walk up this big hill for an hour and a half to get to yeah. this big room, you know. get to Yeah, we'll get to the castle and see what happens. Mm. It, it, it is very much like that. Um a few other things that we should probably mention Definitely. about this story. Notable yeah. firsts. New TARDIS console room. I had that written down. Beginning. Oh my God. I think it would be my favourite if it had more levers and dials on it. But I just don't like the fact that it's that kind of really 80s, let's get a load Keyboards. of BBC micros and stick it on there. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, I love I love that TARDIS. I mean, my brother loves that TARDIS. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And a nice introduction, you know, Peter... Yeah, a, and a it's like the and... doctor's got a little present, you know. He's got himself because yeah. it's his twentieth anniversary. He's got himself a new console yeah. room, and you know the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Thank you very much for the extra money because we've been yeah. able to afford this. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, I, I think I'm used now to having a a big a big column, a big um, a big rotor <laughs> in the TARDIS. So yeah. it does feel a bit squashed and squat now. Those those classic yeah. console rooms, but yeah, it's a it's a beautiful bit of design. And I noticed that the Museum may be constructing a uh, yeah. a new one of their own. So get over I on Instagram know. and it's... look at the Museum if you want to feel insanely jealous. <laughs> yeah, we were we were looking at that the other night, the three of us, and we were just like, wow. If Let's only move over there, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if uh, if we ever go on holiday and we're in that neck of the woods, definitely knocking on that guy's door and saying, yeah. "Hello, we're living and with you now." <laughs> just ignore this chloroform rag and the massive moving van that we brought yeah. with us. <laughs> um, uh, what else have I got down here? Uh, well, I, I mentioned the film sequences looking so good. We've already talked about that. 
Um, oh, that brilliant line with Pat Troughton where uh, the Brigadier introduces Crichton as his replacement. Yeah. And Pat says, yes, mine was pretty unpromising too. Great stuff. Fabulous. Uh, the terrible Zodin gets her first mention here. I know. Is Zodin in the, you know, the wider pantheon of Doctor Who villains, is Zodin, in my mind, is kind of up there with like a, this big celestial kind of being like as yeah. bad as the master and as sort of like as powerful as as Sutek or whatever. Um, yeah, I think so. So, so what is Odin's deal? Uh, Zodin, sorry. What is Odin's deal? Because uh, I've not read or listened to anything that she's in. I don't know if she's in anything. Is she not in I, a I comic or something? Or let me have a look. I'll, I don't know. Me... Have a look. See see what you can find. Um, I'll see what else I've got in the meantime. Uh, where was John Pertwee going in Bessie? Um, to the hairdressers. He was off to the hairdressers. Uh, I was going to say he'd just come back from dogging, but um, fine. What the um, fuck? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah oh god another right Sarah Jane Smith she must have been pissed or something I reckon Sarah Jane Smith pulled an all nighter before this story because when so she leaves the house we didn't even mention K9 K9's in this oh yeah K9 Mark 3 yeah K9's in this do not go out Um. so she leaves yeah. and goes to wait for the bus to go to work Right? Yes. And she sees this thing coming towards her. And she turns around, runs three paces into a fence. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> She's been on the. Look, do you know what? It's hard being an investigative journalist. I'm sure that she, you know, all that stuff that was going on with the satanic cult, um, yeah. you know, and the fact that. She, I, th- there is a line. <clears throat> which I think is really interesting and could warrant further examination, you know, in terms of Sarah Jane's mental state following the hand of fear. Because, you know, bollocks to once and future and past lives and big finish and all the sort of stuff that's happened subsequently, retroactively, including, you know, adventures with other doctors. But she's dropped off by the doctor and she goes about her normal life, you know, like, you know, between the hand of fear and, you know, ignoring canine and company, but hand of fear and, and the five doctors... She is just, she's never mentioned again. As far as we're concerned, she's gone back to being an investigative journalist. She's got the canine with her. But she says when, you know, the doctor is involved and she goes, well, now I know you're making this up or whatever. And it's, you know, there's a, there's a denial thing going on there that the doctor would ever come back into her life, you know, because she has been abandoned by, you know, it was her decision to, to leave or whatever, but well, no, it wasn't. It was the doctor saying, I can't take you home. So maybe there's something to look into there because that line always struck me as like, well, why wouldn't it be the Doctor? Surely, you know, I guess they haven't had any kind of interaction since, but, you know, or she is pissed and on the source, you know. Yeah, do you think that if we went inside her house, maybe when she shuts the door, you can just hear the bottles, (laughs) (laughs) empty bottles rattling. Oh my God. Well, she's she's got a lovely big house, so... What else do you spend yeah. your time doing? Once you've put that investment down, you get drunk in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else have we got here? Um, oh, I said about Susan. Imagine leaving Doctor Who because your part was shit and coming back and being given this crap. I know. It, it must have been like, well, do you know what? This is just my this is my place in this show. 
um, yeah. is to is to not be treated like this character is worth anything because yeah. Susan isn't. Susan wasn't and still isn't. And so that must have been no. really shit actually for Caroline Ford. You know, here's an opportunity for me to come back. You know, I'm I'm casting aspersions here. I'm, I'm probably not being totally fair, but how much work had she got between Dalek Invasion yeah, of Earth sure. and the Five Doctors? And then she comes back sure. and, you know... I'm I've still got glass ankles, you know. I'm still yeah. just twisting my ankle and falling over and, you know, falling over my grandfather or lusting after my grandfather whatever. We're it lusting after my grandfather. There there was a bit there's a bit in that scene with where the Cybermen turn up. Mm. And that's all really weird, isn't it? Because Susan doesn't I mean Susan doesn't recognize the master, which I guess you can forgive because he's yeah. regenerated. Uh, but you would assume that she has some idea of who he is. Mm. But that bit with the Cybermen, you know, they just sort of appear. Yeah. And, you know, they're just there. You've I'm got, sorry, I'm, oh. getting, I'm getting a tea delivery, I think. Thank oh. you, my love. It's all right. No, thank you very much. This is this is what I've moved to New Zealand for. It's tea on demand in my Doctor Who shed. Thank ah. you very much, my darling. Um, the tea of Rassilon. The tea of Rassilon is too hot. Um <laughs> Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, but that, that, that all seems a bit weird, isn't it? Because no one notices this army of fucking blokes coming down the hill until they're there. And they're like, no, that's Doctor, right. look out, Cybermen. And like but, Peter Davison could easily see they're over there. But, you know, that is the daftness of Doctor Who, isn't it? It's like, it's yeah. like a video game. It's like, unless you see the thing on screen, as soon as that sprite leaves the picture, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And maybe that's yeah. how it works in Doctor Who land. Maybe it's just maybe. until the the metaphorical camera sees the monster coming over the hill, everybody is totally yeah. oblivious to it, like a horse with blinkers <laughs> on. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Uh, the only other thing which I think is a missed opportunity... Mm is that Colin Baker wasn't asked back to be Commander Maxwell. Because you've got the commander in it, Mm. in Colin's costume. Imagine having Colin in this as well, just as that part. And it was still called The Six Doctors. I mean, he probably wouldn't have got the part, though, because, you know, you think... And, and and hang on, Ark of... Yeah, no, that is right. You know, okay, so this is after Ark of Infinity, Yeah, so Ark of Infinity has happened, because the Castellan comes back, doesn't he? Castellan Kelner, yeah. Hmm. I yeah. I mean, that would have been very interesting. But then I, you know, he wouldn't have got the job because it would have been even closer to him eventually being offered the part. But it would have been fun, though, wouldn't it? Like if they, yeah, if he still got the part later on, yeah, and he and he got to he got to be in this. It that would have been would, good. that would that would have been cool. I, I he would have I, been able to say he was in a multi doctor story. Two multi doctor stories. Two multi doctor stories before he even got yeah. you know, even got the part. That would have been that would have been neat. I I really I mean we haven't mentioned it yet, and I think people will probably be annoyed that we haven't mentioned it because it is a meme. Um, Castellan and the mind probe, you know, it is. It's yeah. just one of those moments in Doctor Who, isn't it? It's just yeah. it's almost bigger than the episode that it's in. Um, yeah, there's a helicopter coming over. Maybe I'm about to get mind probed. Um, I mean that delivery is just exquisite how, you're an actor and you look at that line on the page and you go how do I how do I make this work how do I do that it's like yeah. um, Daniel Craig being given the die Blofeld die 
line oh, yeah. in, in No Time to Die. It's like, right, how the fuck am I supposed to make this sound convincing? Um, yeah. But I tell you what, he he knocks I, it out of the park. He manages it. He does. He manages it. Because, you know, I never saw the issue with it growing up. I just thought, okay, I not think, the mind probe. I think the thing... It's that, when you see the outtakes and you see him go, no, not the mind probe. Oh, yeah, I think, know. Oh, my God. I, I think you you know... I think it's just the, the, he kind of emphasizes the wrong words almost in the one that, in the version they use. You know, that's yeah. why it's funny. No, not the mind probe. You know, yeah. I, I. But yeah, it's that is a that is a an important moment in Doctor Who history. Mm. Apologies for this helicopter going over. By the way, I, I mean yeah. I can't hear anything. Oh, excellent. Better okay, than the cool. anal probe, anyway. <laughs> okay. Is that? I mean, we've got we you know we, we've got to the point of anal probing in in our conversation. So. Is yeah. that is that the five doctors in a nutshell? Like, have, have we covered all our bases? I think so. I think so. I don't think there's really much more we can add. It's it's. I think it's my favorite. You know, sort of top top three, top five Doctor Who's. I think it's just. Wow! Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Gosh. I'm well. easy to please. You know, I put out yeah. on Twitter the other day. I am as basic as you get. Genesis, Earthshock, Five Doctors, Remembrance, you know, Tomb, they are so well regarded for a reason. I think the Five Doctors out of those is probably the one that people would over the most. Yeah, Uh, And I I understand that, but equally, I think it just gets everything right. You know, I just think it hits all the, all the, it scratches all the itches, you know, Um, it ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah. Apart from, you know, maybe the way the Daleks are treated. But oh, and because you didn't do it for uh, the TV movie, number one oh, in yeah. the UK, Uptown Girl by Billy Joel, and the highest-grossing film of this year, Matt, nineteen eighty-three. Nineteen eighty-three, Return of the Jedi, Bang or on. Last Crusade. Oh yeah, Return of the there Jedi. we go. Um, nice. So shit, there you go. The Five Doctors. Um, what yeah. do you guys think of it? Uh, those who watched it. On, on broadcast, you know, mm. what are your memories of that whole, you know, frenzy in the lead up to the Five Doctors? Those of you that yeah. have, like like myself and Matthew, grown up with it on VHS, either broadcast or special edition, you know, Mr. Whippy or Black Obelisk, you let us know. Mm. Uh, Black Obelisk is still in the lead, so, you know, uh, that and, seems and, to be... And where does it sit for people in terms of, like, top anniversary specials? Ah, uh, yeah. Where does it sit for you? You know, if oh, we include... Top. Yeah, okay. At the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it does a better job of celebrating all of Doctor Who than, say, Day of the Doctor. Yes, yeah. Because the Day of the Doctor really specifically celebrates modern yeah, Doctor Who. But then, to be fair to, to Day of the Doctor, it's got a lot more that it probably feels like it has to pay homage to. Whereas, you know... There's, the, there's an extra 30 years that it's got to consider, including, whereas yeah. Doctor Who's only got... Ah, uh, uh, it know, was off the air for a lot of that. <laughs> no, that is true. That is 16 true. 16 of those who weren't even on the telly. But if we don't see if we don't see Sam and we don't see, you know, all these other Doctor Who Fritz companions and... that popped up in the 90s and shit, then, you know, where's Grace? Destry where's and, uh, Charlie. Exactly, Charlie. Where where are they all? You know, let's let's yeah. get those references in there if we can. Yeah, I I um. What do you guys think? You know, fuck me. I think the Five Doctors is just fantastic the way it is. But you know, we love to know yeah. what you think of of all that stuff. 
And, and it also has that wonderful outtake of John Pertwee saying, oh, shit. <laughs> In Bessie, yeah. Bessie. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, when this eventually comes out, you know, maybe or maybe not this year, it would make sense. You'd imagine it probably is, yeah. you know, it, maybe it's been announced by now. Who knows? Um, when the collection set finally comes out, I want all of the studio outtake. And I think they will give it to us, won't they? Yeah, probably. Um, more likely. I want all that stuff. And I will, I will, even though we can't get them anymore because Universal have decided that Australasia and the Oceania region are not deserving of the Doctor Who collection sets anymore. Um, I will be day one, as soon as that thing plops down on the doorstep, I will be watching yeah. all those actors. And I cannot wait to get more of the five Doctors because, yeah. like, you know, like I said, it's an hour 40, but I still want more of it. And I think that is the highest praise you could probably lump on on anything, any kind of so. episode or movie or whatever. Yeah. Well, you heard it here, heard it here, folks. Heard it I here. Speak. You heard it here. Uh, and you're um, not even on the Thatchers because I'm not there. I'm not even on the Thatchers. I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. <laughs> what time is it? My God, it's twenty-five past nine. What time oh is it? Oh my to you? God, yeah, it is twenty-five, uh, past, 25 eight. past eight. So my oh. day is about to begin, and it started in the best way possible. Oh, the day is dawning on a Texas on a Christ- Sunday morning. morning. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, well, there we go. That was Five Doctors. Let us know what you think. Subscribe, like, share, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Um, tell your sexy grandfathers. You, tell Great your grandfathers. sexy grandfathers. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, and also let us know what you think about the new set yep. and the setup and, you know, what what can we do to make it better? Um I'm sure I'll put this in the edit and come up with a few ideas myself. But I, exactly, we'll same. You know, it's all a work in progress. It's all malleable. It's all yeah. gonna. You know, we're 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 just starting out. Maybe or maybe not. Uh, have you seen the new opening title sequence by our David Burgess at the start of this episode? Oh yeah, you can, you can cut that if it's not in it. Um, <laughs> great work or boo late delivery uh, <laughs> um yeah no uh it, it, it's it's all coming together beautifully um yeah it looks amazing it looks if so you good. want to keep the lights on literally if you want the podcast to continue if you want the review of death in your life to go from fortnightly to weekly then you might consider going over to the patreon and supporting the review of death over there because we're doing all the 60th anniversary stuff we can get our hands on except doomsday because yeah. life is too short um, and yeah. uh, we are currently going through the once and future. I would sooner be sets. assassinated by the world's deadliest assassin than have to go through, have to go through that. Same. Um, and we're going to be doing lots of other cool things. We've got uh, a bunch of audio adventures we're listening to. We've done Doctor Who and the Pescatons. Next up is uh, the Ghost of End Space, and we're going to do lots of other yeah. cool things. Shakedown, Return of the Sontarans is a commentary of that coming up loads of shit so um be part of the community join the discord join the patron and uh, and support your other favorite doctor who podcast very good nicely done uh what's next for us billy oh shit i tell you what's next it's an episode of doctor who that came from the season that i think you and i both went get to fuck with this it's not season <laughs> nine but it is the start of the rot setting in for for us thinking right this is it it is the season eight, series eight classic, In the Forest of the Night. Ah! <laughs> if it wasn't enough that season that they said abortion's wrong, uh, this story also says, don't take your meds, kids. 
So <laughs> let's have let's have fun uh, with uh, Frank Cottrell Boyce's uh, only so far television Doctor Who script. Uh, maybe there's Oof. a reason for that. Uh, Doctor Who uh, in the Forest of the Night. I wasn't on the Thatchers this week. But, but I will be. Boy, I'll be on it that one. <laughs> Jolly's going to have to drive you in next week because yeah. there's, no, there's no way you're going to get through it. I'm going to have to get on the gin. I'll see what they've got in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, yeah, look forward to that. Or don't. I'm not. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye-bye.